podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guest would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And today on the podcast, we have Zach Fleischman. Zach began his illustrious career as a professional tennis player, earning the rank of number one in the United States in the 18 and under division. After his tennis career ended due to injury, he used the skills he developed to launch multiple businesses. His current one is Shark Wheel, uh, where he serves as chief operating officer. Shark Wheel literally reinvented the wheel, creating a wheel with better maneuverability over rough terrain. They have appeared on multiple TV shows, including the 2015 season finale of Shark Tank. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, ready to have a good time with you guys. Zach, you've got an amazing business with Shark Wheels. We're uh, excited to hear you talk about that at the end of the episode. But your mind is bringing the ideas. You're gonna, we're going to spend an hour on this podcast talking about a new one. So let's kick it off. Tell us a little bit about an untapped problem that you're seeing out there in the world today. Great question. So I've always had this thing in the back of my mind that I want to do. It was kind of my end goal of business, and that is uh, reinventing the school system. I, you know, looking at the high school curriculum, you have almost 5,000 hours of time to, to learn as much as you can as you go from ninth grade to 12th grade. And there's so much time to kind of get ahead in life, get ahead in business. And I don't think the current school system takes, takes advantage of all of those 5,000 hours. I have an entire idea that, that's built around uh, real world applications from math, science, business, life that would give every student a leg up on the competition. So not only is it something that will help people, but it's also a, a strong business model. And uh, I have many ideas um, on how we can make things learned at school translate into real life. Great. And uh, just to highlight the, the sort of problematic aspects of this, is there any like stories? I'm wondering if you even have a personal experience or have witnessed some things out of the educational system that you see as like a frustrating problem? You know, it's almost hard to pinpoint it exactly. Um, but I just, I, I'm just a person that's naturally curious. I have a real thirst for knowledge. I try to take in as much information every day as I can on a variety of subjects that interest me. Um, I just love learning. And I remember being in school and wanting to uh, do the same thing, but everything felt more like busy work. Um, and when I say everything, I'm exaggerating a little. Of course, I, I learned, you know, a decent amount of, of things that I take with me today. However, I, I feel most of my time, the majority of my time was spent doing busy work and doing things that really didn't apply uh, to what I would need go, uh, going forward in life. And just to give you a couple examples, I remember being in music class and learning Bach and Beethoven and Mozart's birthdays and death days and I don't even remember what century they were born in. And I didn't know why that was so important for me to know. While during that time, I could have been learning, you know, how to write a resume, how to do a job interview, and, and, and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've heard 
even from, from some other podcasts that I listen to interviewing really successful entrepreneurs. And I've seen this theme, which is really funny, where they'll say they hated school, but they love learning, yeah. which is kind of a weird combination, right? Yeah, I, I can see that uh, that pattern emerging, that there's something about the way that school is structured, where it's actually not conducive to what people actually view as learning. Well, yeah, the uh, the modern school system was created in the early 1900s in order to train factory workers. Seth Godin has a, a uh, TED Talk rant on this. I think it's called Stop Stealing Dreams. It's um, sit in place, follow the rules, show up on time, uh, and you do these things and you get an A, right? And that's it essentially training people to become good good workers but that doesn't really serve the 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 modern workplace nearly as well as it did in the early 1900s so i i'm on board i know ethan's on board with the idea that the school system needs to be improved one um question or or concern that i think a lot of people may have about changing things up would be risk aversion Right, the status quo is out there, and maybe people are scared about doing something different. What would you say to that question? First of all, I think the points that you guys raise, from the meme of uh, of school to uh, to how the educational system started, are just great points. And um, I would say that uh, people in general are typically afraid of change. And I think that that's uh, a constant that, that we'll always live with. However, change can still happen and great things, you know, sometimes take a little time to develop. Um, and there's early adopters and everything. Those early adopters take great products and make them go viral if they're worth going viral. So, you know, I, I, I don't believe that this school system that I'm positing today is for everyone. And it's definitely not for everyone right away, but maybe over time it ends up becoming a standard. And I think the point that you made where it's, um, it's very workmanlike and it's very strict, uh, the, the traditional school system, and it's not necessarily built for today's society, um, is very accurate. And I think that it, school is missing out on that element, uh, a few elements, but one element of fun. It's all about making it fun and engaging and exciting and, and really making it a game. And I think that's where, where people learn the most in an environment where they want to be there and they want to show up and where, where it doesn't feel like you just have this load of four hours of busy work to do after you've already went to school. I think all of the learning should be done at school. You know, in terms of homework, I think it's I, I think it should be a, a very small supplementary piece that happens after school, very small, but but never loading work on just for the sake of loading work on. Um, but in terms of change. I think that we'll always deal with, you know, breakthrough ideas that, that do take time to, uh, to, to reach the masses. Yeah, I think I jumped the gun a little bit here because I do want to dive into this problem a little bit deeper. I, um, so I, I want to put a pin in, in talking about that change and how it, we could actually take some steps to move forward there. But talking about the problem, I completely agree with you in that the education system could be made more fun. And people would learn a lot more if that were the case. I want to call out a couple of things. Uh, one, just to reiterate what you said before, um, that uh, it's about the early adopters. And I think this is something our listeners should pay attention to, is that we'll probably, as we come up with steps for people to take to get started on 
businesses related to this and projects related to this is that, yeah, you, you're not going to put all your work into converting the resistors. You know, you're going to say, who, who are my most passionate uh, supporters here? Get them started with it in a way where maybe we can take it viral. But yeah, focus on the, the, early, the easy, the cherry pickings when it comes to, to your first clients, right? The other thing I wanted to mention uh, was that the problems here that, that have just come to me are huge. Um, and sometimes those are the problems that are most difficult to actually present to people. They might not see them on a local level. Um, but uh, the lost productivity that we're seeing here from a poor education system, I think is monumental. I mean, we've got problems like climate change. Uh, we've got problems just like poor government and all sorts of things where we're not coming up with solutions. And it's really because people have, they don't feel, they might not feel equipped. They might not be properly educated. And um, I think the cost, when you think about it, is immense. And the creative economy is growing. It used to be, like you're talking about, industrial economy was a great one to support and a great one to create infrastructure around people being able to, you know, work eight-hour days and focus and be in one place and so on and so forth. But with automation becoming, you know, more commonplace, people are actually losing those jobs. And the place where you can thrive in the modern economy is being able to be generative, being able to be creative, being able to come up with your own ideas and use more of an intellectual as opposed to a manual approach to, you know, work, working and giving back to society. So that problem is huge. Um, and I think it's just a matter of communicating it with the appropriate parties and pressing on that pain point enough that, you know, the money rolls into that. It may be on a larger level, like a governmental level or institutional level where uh, some of that initiation needs to go. Zach, so, Maybe this would be a good time to talk about how you were able to succeed despite what you see as some of the shortcomings in the education system. I know both you and your uh, co-founder, David, have have kind of different <laughs> paths that you've both gone to entrepreneurship where you are today. Tell us a little bit about about some of the things that you wish that you had learned and, and how you had gotten around uh, those shortcomings? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it, it's kind of funny because I come from a very unique angle. I dedicated my whole early life to becoming a professional tennis player. I literally made it a career choice at 12 years old that I was going to play every single day. And wow. I had horse blinders on. So that's my career period. End of story. And, and I, and I made that a full-time job in its own right trying to accomplish that goal. And, you know, I accomplished uh, almost all of my tennis goals uh, as it went on. And so what happened was, as I met David Patrick, my business partner, and finding out that he had reinvented the wheel and there was no business around that yet, um, I was so hungry to treat business as my new sport. And that's how I looked at it, where it was like a new thing for me to learn. It was a new competition in the industry, you know, in the marketplace, I could compete against other companies trying to grow my business. And it was just a whole new uh, career for me where I could look at it from that competitive angle where it was time again to put in hard work and to, you know, to dig as deep as possible. And, you know, the, all of those analogies to athletics um, was how I looked at it. 
Um, now, I didn't have any business background. I've never taken a business class in my entire life. I've never, I, I, I literally knew nothing about patents. I knew nothing about manufacturing. I knew nothing about prototyping. I knew nothing about how to even work an Excel doc. I never knew how to build a PowerPoint presentation. I never knew how to get investments. I, know, I, I literally knew nothing in terms of that. I was so focused on tennis that, you know, I missed out or, and, and, you know, even obviously I went to school and, and I went to UCLA and um, I didn't finish college, but, you know, I took a lot of classes and I never was exposed to that. Um, you know, I was coming around uh, in college in 1998, 1999, where, you know, the internet was just starting to come out, you know, the, email was starting, mobile phones were coming out. I mean, it was like a different world than it is today. And I, I just wasn't exposed to that business world. So I had a crash course in business and it was fun for me. Like that was what I wanted. But looking back, it's like, wow, what, why wasn't I prepared for this my whole life? Why wasn't I prepared? And, you know, all of my friends that did complete college, that did get their master's, they still weren't prepared. They had no idea what they wanted to do for their career. They had no idea how to write a proper resume. They had no idea how to do a job interview. They had no idea how to do basic, normal life things. And it, it felt like such a monumental gap um, in the system um, that needed to be corrected. And um, for me to be successful, I think it was just my personality of, of, of kind of putting those horse blinders on and being so focused at one goal and just deciding I'm going to accomplish it under, you know, a, no, no matter what. Um, so, so that's what it was for me. So now I consider myself, I'm not going to go so far as to call myself an expert, but I'm going to consider myself uh, very well versed in all of the things I said. Um, so I, I can hold my own in any discussion with, you know, a patent lawyer. I can write a patent myself. I can, I, I've raised over uh, $3 million for my company in a variety of ways from writing grants to the government, you know, to doing online equity crowdfunding to, doing venture capital fundraising to learning the whole manufacturing process, going to China, visiting factories myself. I mean, every facet of the business from how to ship product to how to sell product, I feel like I know how to do now. And that was all real life stuff and not learned in school. And I feel like if I had learned it in school, it would have been so much easier and everybody should learn that. Hmm. I'm seeing two angles. This is really fascinating. I'm seeing two angles here. And it's like, I, I want to parse out like how to treat each one as like a positive thing, a negative thing, or just how we want to approach it in terms of this, actually implementing this idea. So one thing that I think I've always thought that project-based learning is very useful way to go about learning, uh, or I could even in your case, call it like goal-based learning. So it's like, on the one hand, I see something great about your tennis progress, right? Unlike a lot of the way that people are encouraged to do things in school, it's very generalist. You know, you should learn this, you should learn that, and you never use most of it. Whereas you had a focus, and I think that allowed you to become successful. Like you knew, I have a project. My project is, you know, become a great tennis player. Here's the goals I want to achieve. And that helped you focus enough to learn and appreciate what you learned about the sport of tennis. And at the same time, so that's like a, in favor of like project-based learning and in favor of encouraging people to focus on things. At the same time, you treated businesses this business the same way. I feel that al allowed you to learn a lot about that. And also, even though you didn't know a lot when you got started, there was an excitement around it because there was a project involved. 
However, I also hear you saying that maybe some of those things that you kind of had to learn because of your project-based approach to entrepreneurship or like life skills, maybe you wish those were more of the things that were brought up in school and those were more of the things that were kind of provided for or guide you were guided through. So, so how do you think about that as far as like, should this learning be based on projects or are there just some like basic skills that people should be using or should be a mix of both? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, you're calling it project-based learning. And I think that that's entirely accurate, but I would take it one step further. I'm making this a term up on the spot, but I would call it end goal based learning. And, and let me just take two seconds to explain myself. When I went through the government grant process, I learned an amazing thing. And it's something I always knew intuitively, but it was really spelled out for me. So the government uses a program that was developed by Steve Blank. He's a Stanford professor. And all of the government's programs are based on his curriculum. And basically what it is, is um, it's called customer discovery. So when you're trying to build a business, most people come out with a product and that they think is good. And then they try to sell that product and hope that the customer likes it. And really what the government or what Steve Blank's um, whole curriculum is based on is that's exactly backwards. Or the same way when you present a PowerPoint presentation to an investor, you're saying, here's my business plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I think is going to work. They're saying that's exactly backwards. And I completely agree. And really what it is, is about going to the end first. So it's saying, hey, let's find out what the customer wants. It's customer discovery. Let's find out what they want. And I'm going to tie this back in exactly in one second. But It's finding out really what does the customer want and let's build that for the customer and make our business around what the customer wants, because that's going to really, that's, that's what's going to really drive the business. And so what they make you do in the government grant process is do customer discovery interviews and you fill out all these reports and you really dig deep and find out what exactly is going to make my products successful before I even build it. And, um, And I think the school system should look at it the same way. So the school system should say, okay, what's the end goal here? And the end goal is to uh, create thriving individuals that um, have successful lives, uh, not only in business, but also just in their normal everyday life. Are they a functioning, you know, good human being? And, and that's, you know, so you look at the end goals and then you say, well, how do you, how do you most efficiently get there? And I think you build the curriculum curriculum around that. And um, that's how I see my proposed system is is looking at the end goal first and then saying, how do we get there in the best way possible? How do we give everybody a leg up on the competition? What I see from friends, family, just people I know, you know, people people try to get their kids into a summer school program where they learn, you know, um, some type of skill that they're not learning in school or they they hire a tutor or to try to get ahead or they you know, they take an SAT course that's totally outside of the school system. They pay for that. And that's not available, unfortunately, to everybody. And my question is, why not? Um, So, so I would take it, you know, it is a project-based learning system, no doubt about it, but I would call it an end goal based because you you have that focus in mind, you have that distant goal and it's, how do you get there? And this is how we're going to do it. Mm. One one uh, nuance that comes to mind as you're sharing these ideas is the skills in themselves are valuable, but really the 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 reason behind it is what drives you forward. 
if a teacher were to come to you as a 16-year-old and say, hey, we're going to learn PowerPoint presentations today, I don't think that they're going to get very far. People do that. And you can learn a little bit about PowerPoint, but you're still going to be slogging through it, right? But if you're connecting that to, this is how you craft a, a PowerPoint that's going to get invest you, investor dollars, right? Then you have that reason behind it that, that drive, that hunger to learn how to create compelling PowerPoints. You're not just going through the motions. So I think that's an aspect of it that you know we're talking about with project-based learning, um, where you have that end goal that you're talking about. And that end goal, though, is going to be individualized. It's, it's not something, it, not everyone has the same end goal. Someone may want to be a chef, dancer, they want to be a fire firefighter, right? Uh, but you have to connect the skills that everyone should learn to those end goals, I think. Absolutely. And just to take your PowerPoint example, I think that's a great example. If you show up to class one day and they say, hey, we're going to learn how to do a PowerPoint presentation, nobody's going to uh, be excited to, you know, for, for that school day. And I think one way to make that a, a, a fun way to learn about how to do a PowerPoint would be basically monopoly on steroids, which would be here's fake money and you're going to start a business. And if you want to pitch it to, you know, the teacher who's the investor, then you're going to have to figure out how to convince them to to invest in your business. And you have to learn how to create a PowerPoint presentation so you could explain your ideas visually and succinctly to try to get their investment. And are you going to win this game on Monopoly? And that's like a game and it's fun. And, you know, it would help people learn how to build a PowerPoint or learn how to do other things. And so whether it's project-based or game-based or something along those lines, that's how I see it playing out. You know what I love about this too is you give the students that type of a task and, you know, who knows, maybe it's that one student that doesn't do a PowerPoint presentation. They come up with their own way of like a video or like something else that's really cool. Um, and it's like, that's just as fine. You, you reach the goal and then everybody else from the class learns that there's alternative ways to achieve goals. It's not always, you know, you, you, a man with a hammer sees everything as a nail, right? It's like, uh, there's multiple ways towards things. And I feel like it opens up the space for that kind of creativity as well. Yeah, um, I want to, I, I want to bring up an anecdote, which has stuck with me for so many years here. One of my best friends from high school, he, um, we all had this project in English class where we were to review poems and mark them up and and kind of highlight what the poet was going for and break them down essentially, right? To be able to better understand and appreciate poetry. Dan went all out on this. He wrote his own poems, maybe a dozen poems on his own, which he's not really this you know, brilliant writer. Uh, but he was putting himself out there and he wrote all these poems. And I think he got a D or an F on the assignment, right? For <laughs> assessing his own poetry. And it's just, someone is clearly stepping out on a limb and you're giving him a bad grade, right? And he's learning to shut that creativity down. He's getting ostracized by his friends. Like, Why did you go and try that, that thing, right? That wasn't the task that you were assigned. And to me, that's... I don't know, even 15 years later, it sticks out to me as I knew that there was something wrong at that time when that was the grade that he got, but I did not, I could not foresee what kind of impact that would have on someone's psychology as they're going through life and what they would, what type of challenges they would take on in the business world and in life in general. So uh, I want to start leading us towards like just, just a 
the solution, um, like the, the, the format of the solution. And we can talk about this on two levels. Like one could be the ultimate solution, like, you know, a rough outline of what it looks like, uh, but also just a rough outline of the sort of solution that our listeners can start to try to implement on something, you know, basic. Um, so do we have any ideas or directions on the structure of the solution, um, how it's implemented? Absolutely. Yeah, I would call it, uh, it's an outline form and in my head at the moment. So it would be both. Um, but basically it would be taking many of the same subjects that you would be used to and they'd be completely reinvented. So if you took math, for example, everybody has to learn the quadratic formula. I don't even know what the quadratic formula is anymore. I completely forgot, but it's just stuck out with me as a some silly thing that I had to learn that has no basis in reality, at least unless you're going to be some high-level mathematician. Um, I'm so, going to just uh, say it's A squared plus B squared plus equals C squared. <laughs> okay. um, and what does that mean? And have you ever? I've used it. I've used it ten times today so far. I mean, I, when I, I logged into my email, I had to use it to you know triangulate the uh, location of the mouse. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so just to give you a rough example on a few different subjects, you know, math would incorporate many things. I mean, you're talking about five thousand hours and four years of, of schooling here. But just to break it down as simple as possible. Uh, and go working backwards. Look, everybody has to do taxes. I have no, I mean, it's one of my weaknesses in life is understanding taxes. And I hate you, taxes. yeah, I hate taxes too. And, and one of the reasons I hate taxes is for obvious reasons. But another reason is because I don't really understand it. And um, it's something that everybody in life has to deal with. So why not learn it to some extent? And let me just give you one quick example of how I had to learn it in the business world and how it could be a something that could save me literally millions of dollars. And I'm fortunate enough that I learned it, but why didn't I learn it many years ago? Um, and just here's my real quick example is there's something called IRS code 1202, and it is called the small business tax exemption. Um, if you switch to a C corporation as a small business, there's a five-year clock that starts. And if you sell your business after that five-year clock um, counts down, you can sell your business for 100% tax-free uh, up to $50 million. And that's something that I learned recently. And it's like, you know, our company, Shark Wheel, has over 1,100 investors. And, and for me not to know that is, you know, that could be millions and millions of dollars to many, many people. Um, I need to know that. I need to know that. That's one example of many. You know, something as simple as calculating tips. I go out with my friends and they sit there and they pull out their phone. They have no idea how to calculate the tip properly just everyday life things for math, how to balance a budget, how to manage a 401k and how to invest. You know, if you talk to many people, you know, investing is the way to go instead of just putting your money in a bank account and watching it sit there. Uh, you know, it's about growing your money and many people don't know how to invest and they don't know the different avenues from the stock market to real estate to startups and diversifying your portfolio and that kind of stuff. Um, that's stuff you need to know and stuff you need to start learning at an early age. You know, obviously you need to know the basic math and that stuff. But when you're talking about 5,000 hours, it doesn't take 5,000 hours to learn the normal math that you would need to know in everyday life. So there's a lot more time to learn real world applications. Uh, another thing is, is, is business. Um, that's a huge thing. So I, I think Chris earlier was talking about there's many different careers you can go into. Um, 
you know, whether you want to be a firefighter or whether you want to be something else. Um, but there are common threads that, that, um, that, you know, whether you want to be an accountant or whether you want to be whatever you want to be. Um, I'll tell you one thing that I wish I learned a long time ago is speed reading. Why don't I know how to speed read? I feel like I would be able to learn a lot more. I'd be able to get work done a lot faster if I put in the time in ninth grade to learn how to speed read. Why don't I know how to do that? And that would give me such a leg up on on life if I knew how to do that. Um, if I was able to uh, learn how to do a job interview, you know, people finish all of their schooling and then and then they go buy a book on how to do a job interview. They have no idea how to do it. They have no idea the questions that are asked. They've never practiced it. They walk in cold turkey into their first job interview. It's like, wait, you just did 5,000 hours of high school and you have no idea how to do a job interview. You have no idea how to write a resume. You go Google how to write a resume and you steal a template offline. And, you know, it's like you're not learning these life things. Um, so this would all go under my business uh, category from career planning to being proficient in all types of programs. So in the modern world, uh, to learn how to or to understand how to do 3D printing, to learn how to do CAD design, to learn these these things that are growing like wildfire in today's world is helpful in any business endeavor. Um, so that would go into my business uh, categories. I have life categories from ethics and morals to, you know, and that is typically an elective that's taken in college. And why can't you learn that kind of stuff when you're in 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade? The list goes on and on. I won't bore you with all the details, but I have a whole new way to teach science, a whole new way to go over the many normal subjects you would encounter in high school. Try and I'm trying to predict some of the concerns that listeners may have with this idea. So I'm going to share one off the top of my head. And that's, I agree with everything that you're saying. Yes, we need to learn taxes. We need to learn ethics. We need to learn all these different things, real world things. Um, does that really require four years? And can we have that as an elective, right? Maybe there's one class that you take that's just dedicated to life skills. And wouldn't that be enough to cover all of these topics? Um, I think that there's so many topics and I've only touched on a few that I don't think you can incorporate everything under just life skills. However, you know, it's, it's the, the bigger question is what does life skills as an example incorporate? So if it incorporates 25 things you need to know in life, then sure, we can incorporate it all into one class called life skills. But again, the overarching theme is I want to prepare you properly for the real world. So no matter what we classify it, no matter what we call it, that's the overarching theme on, on what my business proposal is, is to create an environment that really teaches you what you actually need to know. So, you know, we could argue the semantics of it or the categories of it. Um, and your other question is, do we really need four years to learn this? And my argument is yes, there's many things in the real world that you need to know. And, um, and I think it does require time to learn it. Um, nobody's going to learn how to balance their budget and create financial forecasts for themselves, you know, in a few weeks. So, I do think that this stuff takes time and, and to learn at an early age gives you that leg up. I'm thinking of sort of, uh, uh, I have some other objections, but I'm, I'm in agreement mode right now, <laughs> but, uh, I'm thinking along the lines of sort of, um, what you were talking about the outcomes and, and thinking about more what the outcomes are on the societal level. 
And it's almost like there's three real main categories that I can imagine. One is how to land and perform a job well, right? So what is the path towards that? It's really a major theme that is not there that should be. And everything else should be supportive of that. If, 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 if soci- on a societal level, that's really going to be valuable. The other category would be how to provide a job, right? And so that would be the side of things where people are starting, you know, entrepreneurial projects and things like that. Um, and so just making sure that people might self-categorize in those two, those two categories, right? Not everybody wants to start a business and then not everybody wants to be employed. Um, and then a third category would be like sort of just the general, like how to invest in society, right? And those three things can overlap, but those are basically the three outcomes that we kind of want on, from a productivity and fulfillment level out of what people are supposed to be getting out of school. They're either going to get a job, they're going to be able to provide jobs, or they're going to be sort of the provider of capital and investment and knowing where to where money should go and how it should be allocated, you know? Um, and it seems like those are falling under the guidelines of the types of coursework that you're putting together. Is that, am I reading that right? Yeah, I, I would say you are reading that right. So to, to generalize it as much as possible from a zoomed out view, I would say that that's, that's a pretty good look at it. I think that when you do look into the details, it does get um, a lot more specific in, in different categories, even talking about, you know, nutrition and understanding the biomechanics of the human body, you know, whether you're a firefighter or whether you're an athlete or whether you're anything to understand at a deeper level how the body works. And again, when you start zooming in, you start seeing a lot more. But from that zoomed out perspective, I think that's a very fair look at it. Okay, cool. And the the problem that I wanted to introduce, just the objections and sort of, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a space for like, let's say we start with math, right? Really just like calculating tips and doing taxes and things like that as the foundational. That's definitely going to help you get your arithmetic together. <laughs> um, now, like I I know folks who, who've gone on to be like a theoretical physicist or something like that, or they're working at DeepMind for Google and they have to do, you know, sort of advanced math. What's the trajectory where we can still have people like get through this program and find their way into say advanced math or advanced studies in history or some other subject where it's not just life skills? Like how does that get integrated? Uh, That's a great question. I mean, I think that that falls more into the career planning part of the business section of my idea. So you have the business section and, and, and under that business is career planning and under career planning is individual careers. And, um, the first comment is almost all careers have certain common threads that need to be learned and certain common skills that need to be learned. Um, and then the other side of the equation is um, how do you, how do you take somebody that wants to be a theoretical physicist or a historian or whatever examples you gave and kind of help lead them along that path to success. And remember this curriculum is for the high school student. So I think it's about guiding them in the necessary way on how to do that. Um, They're not going to learn how to be a theoretical physicist. And just FYI, that is that is talking my language. There's no subject I like to talk about more that I'm well versed in than physics. So that that is definitely my thing. That's my passion. That's my hobby. That's every book I read is based on that. However, um, 
you know, to, to lead somebody down there is, is, is to explain to them and to sit down with them and, and to take that individual approach and, and tell them how to get where they want to be and how to read the, the necessary books. You know, there could be part of it where there's, there's book reading and it's part of learning how to speed read and it's picking subject that you want to learn and to take time to, to, to learn that or to take time to understand what it takes to get there. Is it four years of schooling extra? Is it eight years of schooling extra to get where you want to go? Is it, you know, does it not even require a college degree? What, what is it that it takes to get to hit your goal? Got it. So this is obviously a, a big, hairy, audacious goal out there, it, a big topic to take on. There's a lot that we can dive into deeper in, in, in the interest of time and for our listeners. What are some action steps that they can take that will prove to you that they have the metal to become an entrepreneur, to be able to run with this idea? Yeah, great question. Um, so I have this big, hairy, ugly idea of change uh, that I'd like to see happen, as you're saying. Um, and I agree with that. It is a big undertaking, uh, but it also has a big payoff from a, you know, from impacting society positively to uh, a big business impact as well. Um, it could be monumentally big. And I think that the step that, that I would like to see taken is, is kind of filling in the holes of my weaknesses and my weaknesses time on simply researching. Here's one example of how to become an accredited school. I have no idea how to do that. I am not an expert in the school system. I don't know how to become accredited, but I know that I would want this school to be an accredited institution um, because if somebody wants to go on to, you know, UCLA, USC, whatever the school may be, they need to make sure that the units that they're taking are going to be counted towards their goals. You know, whether it's an AP course that's going to be counted for extra credits or whatever the case may be, I have no idea how to become accredited. I don't know how long it takes. I don't know the steps it takes to get there. Um, that would be one example of something that I would look for in a partner is to do those details and figure out those you know, kind of doing that dirty work to, to figure out how to truly get this idea off the ground. That sounds useful. I, I, and I'm going to throw some things in here too, because um, I often think of things on the networking side and, and like getting the right people involved. This is very much reminiscent to me of projects like Y Combinator um, or um, the Thiel Fellowship, which, you know, the Thiel Fellowship, what they'll do is they'll basically give uh, potential college students a hundred thousand dollars to not go to college and just you know try to be start a company. Why um, Combinator is sort of similar, like taking young entrepreneurial people and putting them in an incubator where they can you know, potentially launch you know a huge a huge pr uh, business project. Uh, but the, what they are is they're alternative uh, formats, and I'm wondering they're doing that basically targeting the the college level. And there's no reason why those same individuals that are fronting those type of projects might be interested in say, what if you did a high school type program around this? Maybe it's an online thing. And in the first round of it, you only admit a hundred students from all over the world um, and treat it like, you know, their parents are taking a risk and they're going to send them through this project instead of uh, instead of traditional high school. But there's a potential huge reward and sort of the networking and, you know, specific aspects of it. Um, 
what do you think of that approach to like getting started with it? Like some, like our list could go out and try to make those connections to get people on board to put some money behind it. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And that's actually exactly how I look at it. So I would, I would look at it and taking it off in, in little bites. And I would see as an example, starting off with just one ninth grade class of say a hundred people. And, um, and using that as a proof of concept and those ninth graders end up becoming 10th graders. And there you go. You have your first 10th grade class and you get your new ninth grade class and it kind of builds from there. Um, and I see it as just being one school, one grade that grows into two grades. It grows into three that ends up filling out an entire high school after four years. And, um, uh, you know, to be honest, uh, the way I see it starting is a, a, a high priced, private school type of a format um, where you're able to use high tuition fees to hire a great talent. Um, so you're trying to find the best out there. I, I see it as being many, many different teachers that come in on part-time basis to teach kids about certain aspects of things. So I, I need not only investment money, but I need tuition money to feed the talent that I want to hire. And, um, and I think when you present a great product um, that is very high level with the, the most talented team that you can find, um, that ends up growing itself. And, you know, it ends up uh, spreading by word of mouth that this is such a great idea. And, you know, it started off as this proof of concept idea that's turned into this just great curriculum. And, and I, I, I see it growing slowly, organically, where it's, you know, it spits off one more school. And it spits off one more school after that eventually. And it, it grows slowly. It's, it's, you know, it's not a franchise like Blaze Pizza that you have thousands of them popping up overnight. But um, I see it as, as, as something that, 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 that grows at the pace it needs to. So that's a, that's a great additional option. High end, uh, get some tuition dollars from people, hire the best teachers, attract, attract uh, students that way. The uh, other another option I'll throw out there on the low end bootstrapping, pretty much anyone can start this would be a summer program where you can have uh, anyone can create this. Hey, we're going to do a six week course where we're going to talk about all sorts of life skills and you can hone some of your curriculum that way you can see what's sticking, what type of learning, it's something new. Right. So as you as you talked about um, bite sized chunks that you can take on where you can test things and, and uh, get feedback. To me, that's a very low barrier to entry type thing. You can go to your local YMCA and put up some flyers there and say, get your, get, advance your child's education during the summer, teach them real life skills, put up a flyer. It's going to cost you maybe 10 bucks to print some out and start getting some interest that way. So another option as Part of the um, intent of this podcast isn't to be prescriptive necessarily. We're throwing out a lot of ideas to our listeners. And yes, we think that these are good ways to approach it. But ideally, this is going to turn some wheels in your minds where you can come up with completely new avenues of getting to this intent. Because really, that's the key. The intent is the education system as it exists right now is missing a whole bunch of of learning that kids should have before they become adults. And we're kick, we've kicked around a lot of ideas for how we can bridge that gap, but listeners, you guys may have other ideas for how to do that. 
I'm going to throw a couple other things in there. Um, we didn't talk much about the the value of the solution. We didn't put any numbers on it, um, and also just what kind of price point people would pay. So I'm going to throw a few, few things out there, guys. I want you to comment like what you think after I say so. But like, let's say it's a summer program. You're talking like fifty to five hundred dollars, um, depending on what you what's involved and what kind of audience you go for. Let's say it's like a private school type format. You're, you're talking almost at the level of like a college tuition for some private schools. It could be like $30,000 a year or more. So, and, and, and the potential value, of course, when you think about it in a large scale, right? For any particular student that's going through this, it's really could be literally worth hundreds, millions, billions of dollars to have the appropriate education um, to succeed in life. And so those are some ways that I think about the price points that you could could charge people um, for the various things that we've we've implemented that we've like discussed about implementations. Do you guys have any other ideas or feedback on that? Yeah, uh, the way that I see this personally playing out is, um, and this might knock some people off their chairs, but I can tell you, growing up in LA, um, the private schools are absurdly high priced, but that's just the way of life. And you know, you're talking about as you said, $30,000 a year tuition, that, that's, that's nothing in LA. And when I say that's nothing, I don't mean to, to sound, you know, um, anything other than what it is. Uh, that's what it is. <clears throat> and they're following the similar curriculums. I actually got tennis scholarships to, to go to those private schools. And I've been there. I've never, my pa- family never paid a penny of that, but I experienced those high, high, high end private schools and, um, you know, they're great schools. However, they are lacking like every other school that I've ever seen in many, many categories. And to say that the model is a $30,000 a year tuition would, would not be an understatement. Um, it's an investment like anything else. And that's the way it would be pitched. And that's the way that I, I see it playing out. That's the, my personal vision is it is a $30,000 a year school. And um, if not more. And it is an investment in your child's future, like any other business investment. Like you said, this this could lead to, uh, you know, your child making millions, millions of dollars. This is an investment like anything else. And, um, you know, I can tell you, knowing the rat race of L.A., that every parent is looking to get their kid ahead of the pack. And um, and from a purely business perspective, that's how I see it playing out is this very high end starting thing. Now, with that said, I think it's very important to say what I want to say next, which is the end goal, the, the long-term vision of this is, is almost the opposite. Um, that's my personal mm-hmm. long-term vision is, uh, is the opposite, which is this is available to everybody. And um, that plays out over several, several, several years. But, uh, you know, the footprint that I would like to leave uh, to the world is, is hey, th- this is a new way to, to give your child every advantage in life that's available to everyone. Um, so whether it's adopted or not, of course, remains to be seen. However, that's my long-term vision with it. I've, I mean, I've got a sort of like a great um, collateral idea to put together with this, which I think goes towards that vision. And I'm seeing like an almost like an MIT open courseware model. So you get the people paying the high tuition, maybe even some of them have scholarships, which you can provide, um, just like a university like MIT might have. They get to be in the classroom. They get to ask the questions. They get to engage with the instructors, which is is very valuable and worth the high tuition at a that you might see at like a place like MIT. 
But those same courseware could, you know, nowadays we can make videos, you know, we can make PDFs available. We can make a lot of the content available to the general audience. I think it would be useful to make it a pay for a thing, not just a free thing from the beginning, just to kind of test the market and so on and so forth. But it could be very nominal fees, like to take the same course that these, you know, LA, you know, top-notch schools are doing, you know, you can you can pay, a, you know, a few hundred bucks and still the student can go through the curriculum and have some sort of engagement and be exposed to the same ideas and at least have the potential um, if they work hard and have the right direction in it to get somewhere with that content. So it's like you could almost launch it without much extra expense. You record videos and, and create PDF shareable content around the same things that these students in this school are getting and be able to share that with the wider audience. Do you, what do you think of that getting started? Absolutely. I think it's a great idea. It's definitely one avenue of many that could happen. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a great possibility. Um, obviously today's world's an online world and, um, you know, it's, it's easy to get, uh, information out to many people in a short period of time online. Um, so I, I think that that's a, a definitely a model that could work. One other, um, we're shotgunning a bunch of ideas here in, in different aspects of this. One other thing that comes to mind is I wonder how many people are homeschooling their kids because they're dissatisfied with the current state of public education and how much more productivity there could be in the world for those parents to uh, stay in the workplace. Maybe they, they would prefer to be with their kids, but maybe there are some who feel an obligation to educate their kids because they feel like there's something lacking in the workplace, in the uh, education system. And as, a, as an entry point for an action step for our listeners here, uh, reach out to, to people who are homeschooling and find out what are some of the reasons that they're doing that. There may be medical reasons, that, but from the people who are doing it because they're dissatisfied with the schooling system, what do they feel like is missing from that school system? How have their children benefited from that? That would be a, a pretty easy next action step for us here. We are coming up on mm -hmm. time. Um, and I, I yeah. want to come back to you, Zach, for uh, both any final thoughts and a plug for existing stuff. But before we um, get to that point, Listeners, uh, you've heard this big idea. We've tried to break it down for you into some action steps that you can take now. Follow through on that. It's the most important thing. Follow through on what we've put out there. It's, it, it'll shift. It'll morph. You'll have to iterate, of course, but take some action. That's the only way to learn. Email us with the actions that you've taken. Update at runwithit.fm. We'll choose one listener who's really impressed us and we'll connect you with Zach. You'll get a free mentoring session and the potential for a business partnership with, with Zach, who's a over a seven-figure, three-time entrepreneur. He's seen it all. So there's a great opportunity out there for listeners who follow through on what we've outlined. Zach, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast with us. It's been a, been a pleasure. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, any actions you'd like them to take. Well, yeah, thank you. It's been super fun. Um, you know, I'd love to try to get this... Uh, the school idea off the ground. Um, I'm very passionate about it, very excited about it. So I, ca I can't wait to, uh, to see who else is as well. And on the other note, in terms of, uh, in, in, in terms of, is it, is it plug time or is it not plug time? Yet? 
you got it. Yeah. 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 Tell us about what's going on. Yeah. With you. So I'd love for, uh, you know, the listeners out there to learn more about, about my current company called shark wheel. It's very interesting. Very, very cool. My, my business partner, David Patrick literally reinvented the wheel. Uh, for the first time in human history, he created a wheel that's scientifically been proven to be better than the circular wheel. Um, it looks like a cube that's rolling. It truly is cubic. It's not an optical illusion. It's actually dead flat on six sides. Um, and San Diego State University Mechanical Engineering Department did two years of studies on almost every test they could do that uh, concerns a wheel. And the shark wheel outperformed the circular wheel. And pretty much every single category. Uh, we have significant advantages in friction, load capacity, off-road ability, longevity, the list goes on and on, speed. And we are entering multiple markets. So we started in the skateboarding industry. That's where we started. Um, we have millions and millions of dollars of sales just in skateboarding. However, the future of the company is in industrial applications. So we just launched our luggage line. You can find Sharkwell luggage out there. You can find Shark Roll roller skates as of uh, the holidays this year. Um, we're in Walmart now for a kid's line. We're in Big Five Sporting Goods now for a kid's line. We're coming out with forklift pallet jack wheels. We're coming out with four-foot-tall, 400-pound farming wheels, wheelchair wheels for wheelchair users to go over terrain they weren't able to previously, and the list just keeps growing. So we're um, our newest industry is the printing industry, lo and behold, we end up solving the biggest issue in all of printing. Go figure. We have the only uh, wheel in printing machines that prints uh, all material dead straight, no matter what speed the machine's at, which is unheard of. The industry's never seen it. So we're launching that uh, actually in eight weeks in Brussels, Belgium at uh, the biggest trade show of the year. Um, so Sharkwell is a really cool product. And uh, I encourage everyone to go to sharkwell.com and learn more. How about a new uh, hybrid? Uh... TV show application. It's a hybrid between Wheel of Fortune and Shark Tank called Shark Wheel Ooh, of Fortune. I love, wow, that's, a, I've never heard that one. That's you know, really <laughs> a good one. Yeah, I think that we got to get on another call and pitch another business idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That's really cool stuff. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much, Zach. It's been, it's been great. Really uh, appreciate the interview here. Looking forward to what our listeners come back with here on, on your idea listeners go check out sharkwheel.com and uh, we will see you next week thanks you guys that was super fun now it's time for you to run with it follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private facebook group of action takers and one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership help us build the run with it community of generous entrepreneurs please like subscribe and review us online and remember the secret of getting ahead is getting started Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run. 
That's R-U-N and get 15% off your first year.